Joshua Michael, and my best friend and I, just like Hannibal and BA and Faceman and Murdoch, <laughs> we're on the jazz right now. We have been writing for the past hour and ten minutes some wrestling shit. You guys, it's gonna blow your goddamn minds. And here we are recording some minefields. And I am pumped about this. I'm gonna just flat out tell you what we're going to be talking about today. I know it's going to be a lot. We're not going to give you four hours of content. We're going to give you just enough, some good meat and potatoes, because we all know that the best thing about minefields is the meat and potatoes and walk through those minefields. Minefields. I walk through minefields. I walk through minefields. I walk through minefields. Did I listen to that this morning? I, uh, I got up. Uh, had, we had thunderstorms last night. Woke me up in the middle of the night. What, like 2.30, 3-ish? massive, massive thunder, thunderclaps outside. And uh, I woke up, went out on my balcony, looked around, I was like, oh, I better pull this stuff in. It's a downpour out there. And then I got back into bed. Everything's cool. And uh, I was like, man, I really just want to watch this. The lightning is so close. And that's the stupid thing that Oklahomans do. They're like, no, no, this is uh, because we can be awed. Humans can be awed by things that can kill us and destroy us. And but sit outside with a fold chair and a cooler. I do have a folding chair out there. But yeah, so I was like, you know, I got to go back to bed. So I got into bed, and I've got lightning strikes like crazy outside. And uh, they knocked out my power. And just about the time when I realized my clock was flashing, I started trying to reset it. The power went out again for a while. I mean, it was just, uh, no big deal. It was just an amazing storm that I didn't really have. I couldn't really stay up to watch. Uh, yeah. We've got a kick-ass lexicon of killer fucking comics that we've read all week. So you can listen to us on the way to the comic store to pick these guys up if you missed it and get some good shit that just came out on Wednesday. Because, you know, we always come out regularly on Wednesday mornings. Lex Luthor, number one, You're the Villain. History of the Marvel Universe, number three. Savage Sword of Conan, number nine. House of X, number five. Guardians of the Galaxy, number nine. Spider-Man, number one. Absolute Corners, number three. The Weatherman, volume two, issue four. Batman, number 79. Teen Titans, number 34. Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen, who shot the deco corpse of Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen. Number three, Inferior, number five. Archie, number 707. Black Panther, and the Agents of Wakanda, number one. And Tony Stark, Iron Man, number 16, baby. Oh, my gosh. We read a ton of stuff. Yeah, we, we read a ton of stuff. And also, we got a good conversation about uh, an actress that you've been working with. Oh, yeah, I'm going to, you know, yeah, I just did this, uh, how do I phrase this? I was uh, production designing this weekend, uh, and several days before that I was prepping for it, a uh, museum piece, a documentary museum piece for 
the Battle of Honey Springs in Oklahoma. It was the Gettysburg of the West, or the Gettysburg of Indian Territory, as they called it. Um, some several months ago, I heard about this from one of the producers, and then it was suggested that I would I, I'd be you know would I be available to production design it? I was like, hell yeah! I'm an enormous Civil War aficionado, and. Um, so I was super enthused to get involved with this process. Well, ultimately, we're getting close to filming, and the, one of the producers is like, hey, so um, one of the guys that's coming out to work on this, he's dating, uh, he's dating this girl, Kara, and uh, she's going to come along with him. And I was like, okay. Well, she's the girl from Moonrise Kingdom. And I'm like, Really? Wes One Anderson's of my, Moonrise Kingdom. My favorite Wes Anderson movie ever. I I really accident I accidentally found this movie. I was at, I'm at Mom and Dad's house. Uh, I had a couple of drinks. We made some enchiladas. I fell asleep on the couch watching Alvin the Chipmunks. And I love <laughs> Alvin the Chipmunks. I'm 37, so I love that shit. But I fell asleep and I woke up right at the beginning credits of this movie called Moonrise Kingdom and I was just waking out of a, a good nap stupor and this movie starts playing and all of a sudden I am hypnotized. Oh, yeah, it's, totally. And uh, yeah, what's she like? Is she a nice chick? Well, oh, I mean, man, uh, absolutely. She's 20. Um, she came in with her boyfriend. She thought she was going to kind of look after another one of their friend's dogs. And uh, they, Dag, so Dag. I just I just see this girl walking around with this dog in her arms, this little chihuahua or on a leash or whatever. And um, she, uh, uh, oh, I'm sorry, I'm trying to find, uh, Kara Hayward, by the way. And uh, so look her up if you don't know who she is. And um, it's this girl walking around with this dog and, uh, you know, her guy, uh, Michael, he showed up and he's like, Hey, look, you know, here's my, this is my girlfriend. I'm like, okay, cool. And I'm telling him, you know, okay, so we're going to be, I'm going to be doing a lot of uh, things. This is a non-union project. So I was wearing a lot of hats. I was production designing. I was, uh, scenicing stuff. I was props doing props. Then we did a little bit of special effects. So I, I told him like, Michael, I need an Atmos R. I needed one guy to handle all of the smoke and the foggers and the hazers. We had four different ones. This is a Civil War reenactment. You want to have smoke and haze in a lot of scenes. Well, Kara kind of floated around for a second. I was like, hey, look, you're, I know who you are and I know why you're here. And don't, you know, you don't have to ask me anything. But, like, I understand that you're interested in, um, in getting involved in... Uh, well, she didn't tell me that yet. Like, I, I understand that you're interested in what goes on behind the scenes as opposed to being in front of the camera. And she was like, I am. And I said, okay, well, um, uh, you'll, if you want to hang out with me, I'll tell you everything that I'm doing so you have some idea. And it's funny because in, before that, I had been told by the producers, yeah, she's just, you know, she's she's constantly shuffled off to her trailer so she can stay in character or learn her lines or get away from it all, be in the air, air conditioning. And she really just wants to learn what else is going on on set and no one will let her. And I'm like, well, that's weird. She, uh, that's uh, the, the, the concept of we don't know what we don't know came into play. She is so, um, she's so just an appropriate person. She doesn't know that she has a, 
position of authority as a cast member in a in a production that she could just get what she wants. Hey, I want to go. I want to know what's going on. Well, on a lot of bigger shows, a lot of different departments aren't going to have time to like run her through that stuff. So this was an amazing opportunity for both of us. And she, uh, so I was like, look, I'll tell you, I'll tell you everything that I'm doing. I'll tell you why I'm doing it. I'll tell you what the techniques are because I've got time to make this happen. She was super excited about it. She was really enthused, total sweetheart. Things I didn't know, she just did a movie in Oklahoma one or two years ago called To the Stars. I haven't seen it. Everybody got sick on that movie. There was a lot of, uh, I, I heard a lot of negative stuff about the uh, the difficulty of the production, but I don't know anything about the actual show itself and or the performances, but um, I think there was just a lot of issues with the food. And... Um, so she that's where she met her guy, and they've been together ever since. And she, like I say, she was just phenomenal to be around. Super fun, <coughs> ready to lend a hand, you know. It's like, I just like, oh, don't do any heavy lifting, literally or figuratively. I'll tell you what I need. Sometimes I just need another pair of hands. Some, please just hand me that, or go over there and grab that thing and familiarize yourself with what it is and what it does, you know? And sometimes it was a power sander. Sometimes it was like, will you go over there and can you spray paint these shovels to make them look period specific? And that was okay, you know? If this had been a union show, I Question. never would have let her do any of that stuff. But Question. This, yeah, sorry. Go, okay, go ahead. Uh, when my cousin uh, brought her wife around for the first time mm-hmm. to the farm, uh, wife didn't have get dirty clothes or actually, or it was more of a no get dirty shoes. She didn't mind getting dirty, but she didn't have get dirty shoes. And I remember everyone kind of being like, "Mm, what's going on here? Um, we don't give a shit about anything else other than the fact that you really get dirty. Cause like it's, Mm -hmm. we've got a tradition, we got a traditional family, but we're not, we're not, uh, ignorant. We just want to make sure you can hang. And the fact she didn't have no get dirty shoes kind of made everyone look like, "Wait, what the hell's going on?" We're there's like <laughs> we're, we're we're literally in a fucking uh, uh, convoy into the middle of the desert. All of us armed to the teeth, uh, drinking uh, while driving. All of us like seriously, like uh, mom, dad, uh, my uncle Gary driving the car, the truck. Me and my sister are sitting in between a cooler, uh, just passing beers back and forth and uh new chick who actually ended up being awesome uh didn't have no get dirty shoes did miss kara have some get dirty shoes oh she had some she was not no disparagement intended uh like i wasn't i wasn't disparaging no no no, me what i'm gonna say i mean she's a she's a 20 year old girl she's kind of a hipster she's a millennial she she was she wore a ball cap all day the first day. She was totally wearing boots all day the first day. Uh that Friday we were we were doing prep. Um she was she was dressed for the weather. She knew what she was doing. She okay, cool. she was she didn't come to work thinking or she what will work. She didn't come to the situation thinking I'm going to get to do anything and everything I want. She didn't come there you know like dressed for anything in particular. And yeah. then when we were working on Saturday, the first thing I noticed was she didn't wear she wasn't wearing a ball cap and her hair was down. And I immediately, because we'd already established a rapport, 
uh, I was like, are you going to the Bon Jovi show after this? And she was like, <laughs> what? And I said, your hair is awesomely feathered right now. It is so, like, 80s hair metal rock right now. And she was like, oh, well, thank you. And I was like, it's, yeah, because, I, I mean, I, I pick on people that I work with in a if fun and friendly fashion to keep If you're not up. getting picked on, yeah. then you're 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 out. It sucks because when I was like when I was a kid, other guys, other boys would pick on me and I was a jerk about it. I hated it. I hated getting picked on, but then like uh in and I think I even had issues with it up until maybe like 2012. And then I worked with these two dudes from Chicago on August Osage County who were my boss and my, he was my lead man and my gang boss. And they were, they were unstoppable and you had to give it back. You had to dish it out. And suddenly I turned into a new guy and I was like, I don't know that I actually understood how to be a man until I started dishing that shit out. Everybody go watch Clint Eastwood's Gran Torino and see that kid figure it out. I had a conversation at work a couple weeks ago with a very hardcore Mm -hmm. manly gentleman about that movie. And it wasn't like a pull your dick out session. It was how manly that movie was. That was a man movie. Yeah. That, that was a man movie. And I'm sorry if I'm not using the right vernacular pronouns. Uh, Honestly, I'm seeing that really sarcastically shitty because that was a man movie. Like bitch, you don't have no fucking tools. Bitch, you don't know how to use these fucking tools. You're trying to steal my car, <laughs> like, and 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 then also, uh, um, he's using words that are very, very. Uh, oh plus, yeah, that's true. You know, like, hey, hey, zip. I don't uh, think you could get away with filming that script in this political climate. Shit, we watched that movie as a Christmas movie when that movie came out. Like I my know. dad. That's one my of the dad last movies that. my dad got to watch. My dad watches that movie the way he watches the fucking Shawshank Redemption of the Fifth Element. Like even if the last <laughs> ten minutes is on, and that movie is important, but it's he's not being like that is such a good way. In if I was going to show someone what heart was, even though they're rough around the edges or very rough or extremely razor blade, do not pick up or even like step close because they're a proximity grenade. Um, that will show you that some people take a little bit of work to get close to. And goddamn, uh, yeah, like you can't say, you can't say zip. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> but if those guys were shooting at you, yeah, fucking have at it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Have at it. If they, if they were, if they were, but, but now you can't, yeah, but we're better than that. Anyway. Um, yeah, in the end, I'm just like, yeah, Kara was an absolute sweetheart. I <laughs> She offered to come work with me again anytime. I'm like, I would love to work with her again. But like, you know, don't quit your day job. You're a Hollywood, uh, you're, a, you're, 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 yeah, you're a featured Hollywood actress. Get her on the podcast, man. <laughs> I'll see what I can do. Uh, yeah, get on the podcast because I would love to know what it is like to work with a nut bar like Wes Anderson. Now, people talk <laughs> shit about fucking, um, gotta wind my space right now on the name, uh, The Shining. Sure. Uh, what's his name? 
Dude, if you hadn't asked me, I would have been able to pull the, it out. The, and then the, the, the director. I'm two white claws in. Uh, Kubrick. <laughs> how much? Uh, okay, wait. Much... What the fuck is a white claw? It is all over social media. Is that an oh, energy it's... drink? No, it's it's the new Zima. It's literally Zima oh. in a different in in a different can. Sorry, everybody. And... I'm a total square, and I am uh, I am what? However old I actually am, I'm actually probably 15 years older than that. Uh, I was I was told that they were a bitch drink and bitches drink them. Uh, I'm blonde seeing that whatever. be the case but on social it's, media. It's basically Zima in a can with a better logo. And uh, <laughs> when I was told I was not supposed to drink these, I'm like, well, I got to fucking drink these. And every time I fucking post about it, uh, I get a lot of heat from dudes like, why are you drinking that shit? And then I get like a million times more attention from really cute girls going like, oh, try the mango. Why, yes, <laughs> ma'am. I will try the mango, which is what I'm actually drinking right now. Uh, I stopped at Tom, uh, our homeboy, uh, uh, affiliate of Minefields, and his his wife likes the White Claw. So I bought some mango because my homegirl Cameron said try the mango, and they're really good for day drinking. I'm like, cool, Cam's never wrong. And, uh, yeah, this shit's delicious. I'm two in, and I'm feeling nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, um, anyway, well, we've got... We've yeah, got, let's press ahead. Let's press ahead. Let's, let's press ahead. Uh, let's, um, we to give him some uh, meat and potatoes first or an appetizer? No, let's dive right into this. So, meat and potatoes or appetizer? Um, slab of salmon. With some peas and carrots and broccoli, steamed, uh, marinated. Yeah, let's go. Hit me. House of X. House of X number five. Now, this blew my goddamn mind because first off, Hickman is doing shit I have not seen happen since anyone had the balls to give Claremont the reins on the X house. Mm. Now, after the last issue... We're talking about number five. The last one was four. We're talking about number five. And we zoomed the credits here so I don't sound like an asshole. Um, a lot of the X-Men died. Wolverine, Cyclops, Archangel, Jean wow. Grey, Marvel, uh, Nightcrawler, uh, Mystique. They all died in this trip to stop the uh, Mother Mold activation. Uh, mm-hmm. Now... Hickman decides to make people that are not relevant relevant. Like gold balls. All of a sudden, Hope, gold balls, who makes these balls of gold that fly at you. Lame. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, it turns out those are eggs. And you realize that this time warp uh, around Moira is based around a continuous time warp until they get it right. That's what's happening. They're experiencing things over and over and over until they get it right to the per- right perfection or the best perfection they can get. Gold balls and combined with so it's hope. Groundhog's Day. X-Men yes. Groundhog's Day. Okay. And, and hope combined with gold balls and again, Jonathan Hickman, writer, Pepe Larraz, artist, Marte uh, Gracia, color artist, VCs, Clayton Cowles, letter, Tom Mueller, design. They. With these mutants, they can use these eggs and using the codex that Xavier and Magneto have convinced Mr. Sinister to capture the soul's essence 
and recharge it, refresh it every week hmm. and regenerate them. Within these eggs, gold balls, hope – yeah, I know. And it was names gold balls. I mean it, it's, it's like they show a scene from the original first House of X from a couple months ago where Xavier – like these – the, the mutants, Cyclops, Marvel will fall out of these eggs and Xavier's like, to me, my X-Men. Yeah. And they, they, they and it's unexplained. They're like, what the hell just happened? And they're resurrected with everything they had up to about a week ago. Mm-hmm. And through their resurrection, all the other mutants are watching these eggs that are gestated about uh, – takes a couple days – and reborn, and this is Scott Summers. His real name is Cyclops. What is he? He's mutant. Like, just the chant. The chant. And so they're they're rebirthing people. Now, this sounds really dangerous. And I like the fact yeah. that my, my trust in Hickman is telling me something's going to go really wrong. Especially now, because the issue ended. Sorry, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert if you guys don't know, we're talking about comics and ruining everything for you. Is that uh, the portals open up in uh, Krakoa, and all of the worst bad people are stepping in on Krakoa uh, unabashed, like they belong there. And Apocalypse comes out and says, Can you do this? Yeah. Are you home? Do you say I'm at home? I'm home. Welcome to welcome to your home. Welcoming the worst of the worst, not because they're trying to bridge gaps. They're trying to unite mutant kind. And it's getting really dangerous. And obviously they're they're already showing the the spoilers or the the hints of what's gonna happen next in the next couple of November. But this is this is gold. I have not had so much fun with the X-Men since Fatal Attractions. What did Gunther say about the uh, the X Men this week? The goons was surprised that I found a place that actually still has first prints. Uh, Iron Lion, Colorado Springs, Colorado. What's up? He couldn't believe that this was happening. He was just beside himself. Just read it. It's it's going on. This is the best of what's been going on, and there's not much to say for that. You you can't just it, it like telling someone that is the best way we can hit him over the head with the sledgehammer. If you don't want to get on this, then don't get on. But in like a year or actually more like four months or a week, you're going to realize, wow, why didn't I buy that when I saw it? Um, we're not talking about collectability here. We're talking about a relic. That is something uh, – wow, wow, why have we never talked about this before? We, we, hate, the, we, we hate the collector shit. We're like, oh, you got to get the variant. You gotta get the yeah. one and a no, no, no. If you get the first print, you're getting a relic. True, totally. Yeah, I get that. What, whether it's beat up, doesn't matter. Just get your relic, find it, get it. It's a first print because it's a relic, not because it's like it's Deadpool running a unicorn eating some tacos and chimichangas and some gay ass shit like that. Uh, I can, I can yeah. say gay. I can say gay because I'm drinking my white claw right now. Um, <laughs> Very but, South Park uh, of you. But that's what I got on that man. It, it was wonderful watching Xavier shake hands, and then and then I realized yeah, yeah with, uh, with that, Apocalypse. 
it, with Apocalypse. And yeah. I realized that I forgot that Chuck can't walk. Oh, <laughs> wow, yeah. When the and moment then, hits and he's walking, it's like, well, we've seen that before. But somehow or another, you, because it's better in this, you don't really... You don't really feel like, okay, I've seen Chuck walking around before. Charles Xavier walking around yeah. before. Professor yeah, Ray. I mean, in Fatal Attractions, but when you think about, like, when uh, 91 X-Men hits and he's in that killer ho- hover yeah, chair. hover chair. H- how can that get cooler? Uh, you put a fucking Cerebro on his head the entire time that looks it's, badass. It's, a, it's awesome, but it makes him look like villain Cyclops from a couple of years ago, and it also makes him look like maker. The leader. The maker, maker, maker yeah, yeah maker, not the leader. leader. I, yeah, I always get that confused. Yeah, it makes him look like maker, which is still ominous. But yeah. that um, that ominous quality is what I'm loving about it because where where are things going to go wrong? Because you know it always goes wrong with the X Men. What well, all I want uh, out of this at some point is for him to take that thing off. Somebody's like, oh my god, blah 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 blah. blah. Okay, he's weaker now because he he doesn't have Cerebro or Cerebro or whatever it is, Cerebellum, and he's like. <laughs> Guys, I'm the most powerful mutant te- uh, telepath in the entire world. I don't this actually was, need this to be. This that was containing awesome. my power. This was containing my power. Yeah, it's like not, Zorn not and the skull mask, you know? There's a sun in there, motherfucker. Be mm-hmm. careful. Oh, no, no. Zorn had a black hole, I thought. No, it, it was, was a star. It was a star. It was a star, yeah. What yeah, you got I next? Mean, I, I basically – I only got to flip through this. I didn't get to read it because I'm really wanting to read all of these in order. And right now it's one of those unfortunate things where you're like half a season in to a show you like and you haven't got to sit down and watch any of it. And I'm like, God, no, it's still coming out and it's awesome and I really want to check it out. The thing that Gunther said that I really appreciated about uh, about this uh, this title and about what's going on in the X-Men right now was that – you know, you lose the faith in the X-Men every now and again because there's 25 X-Books concurrently running or but, because they've killed everybody and brought them back and there's nothing to be there's nothing to be gained or lost if everybody's dying and coming back all the time or whatever, blah, blah, blah. There's always some X-Event. I, right. I swear the prophesized AVX, the mutant war against humanity... That they are that they always thought was going to happen. To me, I was like, okay, fine, this is what it is, and it's not terrible. But you hated it, right? Right. Okay, so we need a better prophesized thing, and maybe we don't. Maybe we just need a new direction. I I I got to a point in some of my fiction where my characters were like, there are no more prophecies. What else do we have? We have fulfilled all of the prophecies. Well, then it's time for you to write your own destiny. And maybe this is the direction that the X-Men needs to go. And that's that's the thing. I want to be reading this. I need to be reading this. And not because... But because I've been sold on it. Because, because you, Joshua, did to me what we set out to do. To discuss these stories, these characters, the situations, and the titles. The editors, the writers, the illustrators, and the letterers. And said, this is freaking amazing every time we've talked about it. And I haven't read it yet, and now I'm slowly collecting them, and I'm like, okay, I just need like three hours to be left alone where I can read them. And it's impossible for me to find that time. I can nickel and dime myself 
into doing whatever I need to do, but really I, I just finding that time to, to get that satisfaction of binging it is what I want. So what I'm getting at is that Gunther said, if you're out there and you lost the faith, you have, and I'm paraphrasing, you lost the faith. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You, haven't, you haven't been reading said. X-Men for some reason for a long, long time. This is the moment to jump back in. Go yeah. get these books. It doesn't matter if it's first print or whatever. It doesn't matter. Just go get them and do it. If you ever loved the X-Men in the 90s, if you ever loved the X-Men because of the cartoon, if you ever loved the X-Men because of anything and you haven't been paying attention, go get this because this is something. This is an event. This is the event that the X-Men needed after Marvel shoved them into the closet because they couldn't get the rights to to them because Fox owned it. But then the um, Disney just said, hey, we'll just buy Fox. And that's why <laughs> we should be expecting some Fantastic Four movies and a whole new rewrite into the X franchise. And authentically, the MCU could still use some Hugh Jackman. But if they want to write a whole bunch of new X movies, or just say, hey, all of those X movies actually happened, but they were their own things happening in their own time and titles before the Avengers happened, before whatever, then for God's sake, can we just get an Avengers X-Men movie with whatever iteration of the Avengers that we're going to get? I'll take it. I'll I'll be happy with that. How much do you want to make a bet Hugh Jackman completely reprises his role as Wolverine? I guarantee he would do it because years ago, after, if I'm not mistaken, him reading Ultimate Hulk, Ultimate Wolverine, he really wanted to do a a Wolverine versus Hulk story, a movie. And uh, I I just, dude, the guy's going to show up for the paycheck and he doesn't have to look like a million dollars. What it really boils down to is that I don't want Wolverine to come back from the dead after Logan. I I would not mind because that story takes place so far beyond what happens in any of the other X-Men movies. There's no reason to think that there weren't other great X stories to be told between Logan and any of the other X-Men movies. Did you right, see Dark get... Phoenix? I haven't seen it yet. Oh, no. I'll, 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 I'll watch it. I'll watch it this weekend on Redbox, but we gotta speed through this. We let's let's do five minutes a piece on the good comics, but speed through it. Okay. Uh, the good comics history of the Marvel Universe number three. Well, no, no, hold on, wait, wait on that. One. Wait, <laughs> wait, hold, wait, hold on. why? You're blowing let, your let, what are you talking? Let, about? Let, let, let me get my timer. Let me get a timer on this one. Let, let's let's let, let's go through the comics timer. that were good. Let's go through the comics that are good. I'm gonna go through. We'll start at the same time. I'm gonna go through Savage Soda Conan. Oh, you're doing a five. Okay, I get it. Okay, you're gonna five minutes yeah. of Conan. We're we're gonna do five minutes while I'm queuing it up. You find the uh, artist writers. I'm gonna start with Savage Soda Conan and do five minutes on it. What do you want me to find? The next one you want to do five minutes. Oh, okay, good I get to talk okay. about. Like Copy Archie, that. obviously, like we, we've got like fifteen comics to talk about. Well, we you gotta, don't want me to talk about history of the Marvel Universe. I do want you to, but I don't want you to spend five minutes. I don't want you to spend like ten minutes on it. At least. Yeah, I dig. I totally. I, dig. I, I'm saying like let's talk about the good ones, 
and then just make sure everyone knows why it's good and why they missed out and make sure they pick it up on Wednesday tomorrow or today when you're listening to it. And uh, let's do it. All right, I got five minutes on Guardians of the Galaxy, okay? All right, cool. Uh, yeah, that's that's how much it took me to read it, actually. <laughs> it was a pretty fast read this morning while I was listening to Fat of the Land. Oh, you mean our record? Yeah. Dude, I just realized I need to get that on wax for real. Yeah, we definitely need that on wax. I'll look it up while you're talking about a comic that sucks that I don't like. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what are you ready? All right, we'll start. Um, we're going to do one, two, three, engage. One, two, three, engage. Conan, the savage sort of Conan. Conan the Gambler, part three. Jim Zub, writer, patch, zercher, artist. Uh, Java Tarkalaya, cover artist, and VC Travis Langham. So Conan has been tricked into a den of gambling by a gentleman that has told him they need his protection. And when he gets to this gambling den, there is a giant gem that is supposed to shine good luck on people. And if you don't have good luck and you can't pay your dues, you get thrown into basically the Sarlacc pit or uh, what's under Jabba's uh, palace. You get thrown in one. You get a Rancor pit. Anyway. So they're playing a game of chance and Conan decides he's going to start betting on himself after the guy that has just paid him to protect him just mysteriously just dies. Uh And um, this picks up where he's having to pick up the guy's debts because he's been proven the you came in here as his guardian and now you're going to guard him and his debts. And he trusts in the gym and he gets thrown into the pit. And obviously they throw his sword in there because, oh, Mr. fucking Barbarian, Mr. Badass Sumerian, you can't – here's your sword. Let's watch the show. He destroys, destroys this monster and in doing so, he ignites the gem that all the gamblers pray to that gave him that feeling of kismet, like the, the feeling of uh, Felix Felicitas. And Harry Potter, he felt that same feeling when he knew he was playing the right hand, but he felt that feeling get out of him, and he lost his hand. Gets thrown in the pit, comes out, kills everybody, and the hooker that that has been coercing him into keeping doing what he's doing reveals to him that she, he has set her free. And she's like – he he asks her, why would you bet on something that's not you? and 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 lose and lose this and she says i can't lose something that i actually am she was the 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 deity of the of the gamblers she was what they prayed to but she couldn't release herself until she was set free and conan after winning the card game murdering everyone in the room beautiful artwork by the way has set her free and now he's set after she leaves him a card of the king sitting on his throne knife in the ground and we're waiting for conan the gambler part three luck is a lady and hopefully that happens pretty goddamn soon because savage sort of conan is the fucking tits <laughs> all right i got i am you did that in uh, three, three minutes. minutes all right what you got what you got what you got this is still my two minutes of this book. Okay, so I've got uh, Guardians of the Galaxy uh, number nine, and it's a Donny Cates book, Corey Smith's illustrations, 
Victor Olazaba and uh, David Carell is the colors. VCs Corey Petit is the letterer. Um, we're in the middle of the Faithless storyline. The Universal Church of Truth has this gigantic um, belief font ship. That's the whole thing. I don't have time to explain. Apparently, and they've you know there's they've still got the Guardians on this ship, and the whole thing is that they're trying to coerce them into understanding what it is they're they're doing and why it's relevant. They're going to go to Earth. They're going to absorb the energies of Earth so that they can progress into their future. And uh, it's because they're essentially trying to create a new Magus, as usual. There's always some new Magus coming out or that will revert into uh, Adam Warlock. Well, in this issue... Evil. Evil Adam Warlock. Yeah. In this issue, Peter Quill, uh, Star-Lord, you know, he punches his dad, who is the... They're all assimilated. They're basically... They're not cyborgs, but they're the Borg, you know? They're all, like, possessed of this whole situation. So, Peter's dad, Jason of Spartax, not the uh, MCU's Ego, the Living Planet, um, is their leader. And he punches his dad and goes running away trying to escape and they get into all this shit but like finally rocket shows up with moon dragon and groot and he's in his kick-ass mech suit and they're killing a bunch of stuff and trying to figure out what they're going to do next but really they they're they're there and they found like a child version of the magus right uh i mean whatever they went there and they found a magus to get these people back which means well what's inside the egg because there's always an egg with the Universal Church of Truth, and the Magus hatches out of it, or Adam Warlock does. But ultimately, the egg is not filled with this. It's filled with a classic, original-style Drax the Destroyer. That like, was awesome. That Drax? was a total That, 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 that scene, just Drax? Like, yeah. oh shit, we're fucked. He's pissed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they hatched a Drax, which is cool because... The, the Drax, the Andy Lanning, uh, uh, Dave Abnett version of Drax that we've been seeing for years since the Annihilation storyline and uh, everything else, the Phalanx, that Drax went home in... It's, it's still complicated. After the whole Infinity war uh cash grab comic that they did uh in the last couple of years that we've been we talked about this year they got rid of drax by giving him like his right off into the sunset go be with your family everything's gonna be fine for you now and now we're hatching a new drax that's better than killing drax and bringing drax back to life six months later as like you know they've done with Magneto agreed and any number of agreed characters so if this is the old, they've hatched a new Drax that is Drax the Destroyer that they have to fight. I dig it. That's okay. That was longer than that was more than my two minutes I had left on the five minute timer. But still, you know, I'm like, I read most of this going. Oh, are we still in the storyline? What has happened? Nothing has happened. That's what happened. You read this entire issue just to get to that point, and then you're like, okay, cool. Now I'm interested in what's going on here. All right. Hmm. So, Who I shot? don't know. We're also still getting to the point where Rocket's supposed to die. 
Oh, he's not going to die. There's something. He's in a Gundam, dude. He's literally in, <laughs> he's in, in, in a, a Gundam. He, he's literally in <laughs> he's literally in a wingless version of Endless Waltz. It looks more Ooh. like something out of Robotech or Macross. No, 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 no. It's very specific. Trust me. It really looks I've, like a Transformer I, he's piloting. I, I, I actually have that Gundam from Japan that my buddy bought in Japan when we That's lived in Guam. Fact. We couldn't design our own Gundam for crying out loud. No, it's a, it's a model action figure. You build it, snap and it's snap and conform. And the thing's worth a lot of money now. I still have the box and everything. Okay. It, it's, 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 it's an, it's an endless waltz Gundam without the fucking wings and the head. It's only and, acceptable then if Peter realizes what it is later or some other human character. And he's like, no, it was awesome. I watched that whole cartoon. I freaking liked it. So I was like, I'm going to design my own thing. Cause I'm a fucking engineer. I'm Tony Stark in space, bitches. It'd be way better if they're like, my buddy in Guam went to Japan and bought it for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. My turn. <clears throat> my turn. My turn. We're doing another five minutes. Stop watch. Stop. Reset. Start. Who shot the DK? The DK? The DK? Who shot the, the DQ Blizzard? Who sh- oh goddamn! I can kill from those right now. Who shot the DK the decoy corpse of Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen? The <laughs> Superman's pal so number three, twelve issue maxi series. Okay, so this is a challenging comic book. If you're into challenging anything, every five pages there's a new story drawn and written by a new, different artist and writer about. All building up to someone that is after anything and anything to do with Jimmy Olsen. Hmm. We're talking about random villains punching their way into Lynch legal services that are porcupines. And there's a blast at the window. Jimmy Olsen doing an experiment with Doc Mantell's final theorem and shrinking down to atomic level and Doc dying and Superman still saving him and and Clark and, and Lois are laughing, ha, 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 and, and Jimmy's still in his suit just shaken up. And he is in another – like every five pages, man, this is a, this is a thick son of a bitch. Uh, he is hiding the decoy corpse of himself that Doc built to protect him. Uh, with one of his super buddies, and I know this guy's name by heart, but I can't remember at the moment because of the White Claw. Mm-hmm. And they they sit him in a chair, and immediately through a noir esque uh, uh, window with the blinds, he gets popped a few times. And Jimmy realizes someone's trying to kill him, and he uses the corpse to fake his death and goes to Gotham. And while they're burying the corpse, he throws his Superman watch, the the watch that he can constantly communicate with Superman, and Superman can find him into the into the uh, into the hole, and then experiments whether or not he should put his fake mustache on or not. And this was a hoot. This this comic was a hoot. It even says, "Hey, this is weird. Bear with us on this one." We're getting somewhere on this. And it was a total fucking payoff. They literally fucking tell you we're getting somewhere on this. Stay with us as we keep switching the channels. Like you're, you're switching the channels, but each new each show that's different on different televisions is all about the same thing. And it was a lot of fun. And I can't wait to see what they're doing because they're they're kind of tying into you're the villain. And uh, what do you say? Mean potatoes time now? 
Lex Luthor. Oh, Number dude, what a good book. You're, you're the villain. You going to sound off on this one? I'll, I'll, I'll just get us going. I mean, let me find my credits here. I copied and pasted all my credits. Um, You know, okay, yeah. Jason Latour, D. Jason Latour, depending on who you're talking about. Brian Hitch did a... It's so nice to see Brian Hitch. It's been a while, isn't it? Yeah. Um, every time he does something, you know, go back and look at the Ultimates and the Ultimates 2 or that really excellent Fantastic Four run with Hickman. Oh, Brian Hitch just brings a really attractive reality to everything. People have unique individual appearances. They they have uh, they have totally coherent style from one character to the next. They don't all just they just yeah it's just it's just there. It's 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 not gritty like Alex Maleev. It's just straight up realistic looking stuff. And I don't. You know, it's so, it's worth no, wondering, you know, does he bring the same colorists in or something like that? The color, it just feels like the coloring opportunities with, with Hitch are so good. Uh, the colors on this one were Andy nice. Kitts. Sorry? The palette for the colors on this yeah. one. Yeah, this was very nice. I mean, I mean, everybody's distinct. Uh, the anchors on this were, in fact, Brian Hitch and Andrew Curry. Colorist was uh, Tomo Moray, and the litterer was Tom Napolitano. Yeah, I did say that right. Um, I haven't been reading anything else about this. I don't know what the heck is going on. I've and, told you everything so far. Yeah, I mean, I opened into this, and... It, it makes sense, though, that Luther is the new pawn of this badass bitch the mother of the anti-monitor and mm -hmm. they're bringing into the reality that, yeah, it's not a multiverse convoluted like shit show. Like multiversity was with Grant Morrison, which I'm still trying to read through. Um, <laughs> this was something, it makes sense that if Luther is trying to control the multiverses, it would make sense that in order to be the ultimate Luther, you have to go through every single infinite one of them and kill every single version of yourself. Yeah, it reminds me of that Jet Li movie, The One, if you recall. Oh, I saw it in the theater. Yeah, yeah I, I did too. At the end of the movie, he's standing up on top of a giant hill, and he's fighting and fighting and fighting. He's just badass. It was a cool concept for a movie, but uh, this this is pales in comparison on the action front. Um, I mean, yeah, Lex Luthor shows up at the home of a child version of himself, who I guess didn't win a science fair and his father is chastising him to a degree. No, his, no, his father didn't let him show up. And oh, okay, the, 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 every Luther that he encounters has the balls to face the ultimate Luther and each one falls. However, the funny thing about this is that the kid is there helping him assassinate all these extra Luthers. Mm -hmm. Now, as it ends, and you even see the the Luther version of of Doomsday, uh, uh, you you get to thinking like, man, this kid's kind of cool. And then they show the that plant that yeah. hypnotizes you into thinking that you're in your ultimate uh, fantasy. Uh, what's it called? The Black Mercy. 
parasitic alien flora. Uh And you see Luther, the ultimate Luther, the the one that's working for anti-monitor's mama, attack a botanist, Luther. And the kid is the one that helps finish him off. And they fly off into the universe. And you see him fall asleep and that didn't happen. He was actually in a containment unit. And Luther is the like for some reason. Ultimate Luther doesn't kill the kid because he's a copy. That in case you know, like so, if you if you if if he fails, there will still be a Luther. And he had to. I think through the story. Are you he, thinking that he's a copy, like a backup? I think that he's keeping this kid from a reality as a backup in case he fails because there should always be a Luther. And it takes until the kid starts making those decisions to brag these other guys, these other Luthers, for that's that's the turning point. When I was like, okay, the kid just killed this dude. It wasn't yeah. it wasn't the, the, the adult version. The, so, the Luther at the butcher shop, like, yeah, my mom made some difficult choices and brrr, dead. <laughs> yeah, that kind of stuff. So this entire story has been told, I think, from the perspective of this kid is dreaming it. And, uh, yeah, down at the end it says, backup 1.0, human DNA, Luther Lex. And so I think that's the case, is that uh, he got the kid to become capable of doing what Luther characterizes as necessary for him to pass the mantle on to somebody. And then he was like, okay, cool, now I'm going to stick you in a thing and into a containment thing with this creepy as hell uh, plant, and that's that. You're there until I either you grow up and I destroy you or you're there until I need a copy or a duplicate or whatever. Walking away at the end of it. I'm thinking this kid's going to be the wild card. I'm thinking this kid is something that ultimate Lex is saving just in case. And this kid is going to be something that's going to eclipse everything, especially because of that weird psychedelic plant. But that's all I got on that one. Sure. Yeah. I mean, the real charming piece of this is the convoluted uh, dialogue. It's very Grant Morrison, but it's a little bit more um, approachable. It's, it's early '90s Grant Morrison before he went a little too crazy, but it I still love. It had a new X Men quality. It really did, didn't it? Mm-hmm. I'm still saying that the the new X Men has a new X Men quality to it, but only because it's it groundbreaking. Like it. It's going to be followed. It's freaking out there. Yep. Yeah. Tell me about Archie. Um, this was just one of those little reads that I just like. I, I just got into it and I was like, wait a minute. You know, I reviewed some Archie a long time ago. Oh my timer! I reviewed Archie a long time ago or a couple of weeks ago, and I really, really liked it. And then I kind of forgot that it was there, and I was like, I'm going to look for this. So this is actually Archie Forever. That's the title. It's number 707, and the it's the Archie and Sabrina issue three of five, which means, oh, my gosh, I, oh, what are they, breaking up in issue five or at the beginning of issue six or something? Um, it is uh, – <coughs> excuse me. Let me find my uh, credits here. 
It's a uh, Nick Spencer and Mariko Tamaki. It's a uh, Jack Morelli letter. It's uh, art by Jen Staong. That's or Saint Ong. I'm sorry, Ong or Ange Saint Ange. Colors by Matt Herms. Which really, the colors in this go all over the place. Uh, it's a little digital, but it's really attractive because of the consistency, the gradients. The uh, the haze in some places look really really good. There's some there's just just some really good stuff going on here with with specifically the coloring. I uh, I didn't get to read the previous issue, so I don't know exactly why this situation is happening this way. Like Archie was just running through the woods and he's suddenly being chased by wolves with glowing eyes and he's freaked out about it and he essentially runs into a tree on the verge of KO, and Sabrina shows up out of nowhere. This is the story of how they met. Because if you recall, a couple of issues ago, Archie had a new secret girlfriend, and Betty and Veronica were, like, killing themselves, trying to conjure up a, a way to figure out who he was dating and why it wasn't one of them. And I thought that was empowering. Because when they finally decided in the end that they were not going to be uh, subject to Archie as the boy of their dreams any longer, it freed them to go off and do whatever they wanted. So I need to get that next issue. To that's, see what they, they that's, that's pretty fucking cool. Yeah, no, like those girls are way too cool for uh, Archie Andrews, of all people. They've always had a, we don't need Archie but they they do it within each time period. I've been reading Archie since mm -hmm. the 80s. They're like they, they they still bring in a little pop cultureness. They bring in a little bit of politics, but they don't go too overboard. Mm -hmm. They have a good time with it and yeah, that that's cool. Yeah, they don't need Archie. They, but it's not like in your face politics, man. That's great. Yeah. I mean so, you know, it's kind of awesome for Archie to be dating Sabrina. This and she does, he doesn't know that She's a witch, and um, it's kind of funny because, you know, she's totally not a classic witch at all. And I dig the earlier story in that it's clear that he understands it because they, even by the end of this issue, this is a prequel to those, it's not depicted that he really gets it. But they start seeing one another in the summer while all their friends are away, and uh, it just works out. It's just, it's really cute seeing them on their, they're not just dating. They're just like, hey, yeah, we're hanging out all the time. Um, I don't know. She, he's showing her around and they don't quite get to a point where she's just like, hey, here's my entire thing. Here's my entire being a witch, you know? But uh, I don't know. They get together and. That's that. It's just a cute, sweet story. And it, it ended way too quickly. I mean, it's 30, it's it's like 23 out of 26 possible pages. You, they you say, wanted you huh? wanted more you wanted more relationship, because I, I like the relationship at Archie. Um yeah, I guess that's the case. I mean what I mean, would it, wouldn't it wouldn't it be nice to read a good date? I I mean, yeah, like Go back and look at all of those old Marvel romance comics. Oh, I really, I, I, in particular, love Nightmares and some of those I, I know you're a sucker for them, man. Every time I see them, I get one for you. 
it's just it's that it, because it's it's that and it's also like I mean God who can deny the artwork in those books? They're, oh man, they're luscious. Great facial expressions, hard Sorry. lines. Great oh, yeah. facial expressions, hard lines, but still soft. Chiseled jaws. You get the you get like the oh my gosh, look at that figure without it being lusty. You know, it's just like great, man, great I'm, point without yeah. the lustiness. It's 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 it's, it's innocence. It's, it's not Jim innocence. Lee Rogue nineteen ninety three. Uh, you're thinking Psylocke. you're thinking more Jim Lee Psylocke, yeah, yeah where he's I mean, like. Uh, oh no, dude! Rogue drove me crazy back then because it was like, why is that costume absolutely skin tight? But uh, it's, it's painted on <laughs> exactly. It's literally painted on. It's like here. It's like Liberty Meadows. Here is uh, Frank Cho drawing a naked woman, and then they're just like penciling in some clothes. But I'm a you know, hey, cheesecake art goes a long way. Give me a good Frank Cho or a Terry and Rachel Dodson black cat any day. And but so like I mean, yeah, this is just this is a good natured book, and. Even though none of the other characters were in it, I'm still referring back to those other things, those other issues, because I just, I can, I, it's just, it's all part of the same story, and I really appreciate the empowerment. Anyway, that's what I've got on that. It's just a sweet, good-natured book. God damn, dude! Like that—that that just makes me happy, and it, it also really is such a good point in return in regards to. Uh, teenage innocence, and when I'm thinking about the new Teen Titans, mm. it, it the, I, I'm surprised how good this new Teen Titans is. Like, you hear about how good the TV show is oh, yeah, all the time, super cute. but but you also don't have the time to invest that much because you know if you start watching it, it's going to be the definitive Teen Titans, and you're going to be watching it just the way you watch uh, Batman the Animated Series, just hooked oh, on it, and like no. it's it's. it's it, it, it's going to take a lot of time. Um, all right, so Teen Titans number 34, uh, written by Adam Glass, uh, artist Bernard Chang, uh, colorist Marcelo Maiolo, uh, letterer Rob Lai, or Lee. Uh, Francis Manipul did the cover. Now, Jin all of a sudden interrupts a meeting between Kid Flash and Robin, uh, who is um, – Batman's son Damien, and they're wondering about what just happened because Deathstroke just got murdered, and there's a hint that there's a betrayer. Oh, there's, my, there's, <laughs> there's my your timer. Life. Yeah, there's my timer. That there's a we've got a uh, Benedict Arnold on our hands. We got to figure it out. The Jen barges into a meeting. Someone stole her ring. Basically, if you don't know this, the Jen's a genie, which is you know. That means genie. Yeah. Oh. And control of her ring, which she wears to control herself, is control over her. She's basically a genie. And someone has stolen it, even though the, the Teen Titans head HQ has been on lockdown. And Damien is going one by one trying to figure out who the fuck did this. And everyone is a suspect. Even Damien... Because he's Damien, uh, uh, son of Batman, uh, son of uh, – well, grandson of Raza Ghoul, and uh, his mom is Talia. So yeah, we've got some problems here. They're que- Damien's questioning everyone. 
and they question and uh, sorry, but you know we we always say spoiler if it's a big deal. But the fat piece of shit that convinces you and me that he's innocent is the one that did it. We're talking one, two, three. Solid pages of perfect dialogue. It's not him. He just – I didn't see it coming. I did not fucking see it coming. He, he's explaining, yeah, I went through this. I went through that. No. I understand why I'm a uh, why I'm a, suspe- a suspect, and uh, Lobo's daughter, Crush, who is in love with Jin, is working out. Everyone suspects her because when she gets pissed off, her eyes turn red. Damien's questioning her. I mean, the the, the this fat sack of shit even says, "Hold on, hold on, hold on." Uh, his name's Ranhouse, by the way. So you're using this interrogation uh, tactic on me. It's not going to work because I understand this, this, and this. And then at the end, when you realize that he's the one that did it, it just – I didn't see it coming. I I, I thought it was going to be someone peripheral because Lex Luthor's doing something crazy. No, Roundhouse, the fat sack of shit that's trying to make good. And, and then, and then the last page when you show him holding, when it shows him holding the ring, and he's got that bowl cut, that 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 <laughs> bowl cut, and and then the last bit of text is next. Wait, what? Why? Uh, perfect. I love the drama. Good job, guys. Way to kick ass, DC. I mean, that was that was a juicy that 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 was an hors d'oeuvre. That was a that was a. Uh, what, what would we call that one? What, what are we at? If we were at Sushi Nika, what would we call that? That wouldn't even... <laughs> Goyoza. 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 What we got next, brother? Oh, uh, what do we got? Dude, you know what I did on a total whim? Uh, Black Panther and the Agents of Wakanda. That was confusing they would pull it up. What the hell's going on with that? It was confusing that I would pull it up? Yeah. Um, it, sounds, it was a number one. I was like, okay, because honestly, I'm t- dudes for real. I'm sorry. I watched. I watched the. I watched Black Panther at the end of a very, very long movie I'd been working on. At the end of a very awful work week. At the end of a very rough month, and I was very tired. So by the end of that movie. When all the action started, I was like, okay, the story's over, and I passed out, and I woke up just in time to see Killmonger die, like, in the fight, and I was like, okay, I get it, and the whole time I was watching that movie, all I could think was, this is the Lego set they chose to make? Um, (laughs) I just don't, it's just, it's so, I'm conflicted as a fan looking at a very established universe, and then for them to come in and say, hey, there's this whole secret society place that uh, is way more amazing than you can ever possibly imagine, which is a contradiction because I'm a huge fan of the Inhumans. Of course. So which it usually sucks. Yeah, it basically sucks because what I like about the Inhumans is the potential for greatness. 
that no one ever gets right, except for in that one Jay Lee book. And he didn't even write it. Uh, he did the work. He did the artwork. We, we, we got those signed a couple years ago, by the way. That's correct. Yes, we did. Denver Comic Con. And, uh, I got my. I, you got your Inhumans signed. I got my Wolverine one. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I know the one you're talking about. He's got all the swords stuck in him. Uh, yeah, and then I've got the one where it's the red <coughs> Wolverine cover, where he's got like the wife beater on the claws coming down. God, God, God damn, that was a good day. God yeah, that damn, was an amazing that was a good day. day. That was an amazing day in Joshua and Colin. Uh, this, this. Uh, okay, so I'm not a Wakanda fan. I'm not. I like the concept of the Black Panther. I like that Black Panther represents a country, but like Atlantis should outclass Wakanda in ways that we can't even imagine. And Agreed. Latveria, for crying out loud. I mean, if you're going to have all these secret societies in the Marvel Universe, it just drives me nuts that it makes zero sense under any circumstances i'm sorry the socio-economic political culture of darkest africa does not make any sense i would love to think that this is a reality but yeah the hypocrisy of we're not sharing this with our bordering countries we're not sharing this with uh anybody else on the continent no, it just doesn't work that way. It's, for the it's MCU pretty bad. To develop Wakanda to be that way, and take for me to take it seriously. It's uh, pretty bad. Yeah, it's just it. It's it's motivated by political modernity. Um, anyway, long story long. This is a book written by Jim Zub, who I've not heard of. Uh, Lan Medina, artist uh, who had had their moments uh marcio minez is the color artist vc's joe sabino the letterer um what the hell is going on in this story we start with janet van dyne who is dating tony stark so of course she is also moonlighting as an agent of wakanda of all freaking places and being an avenger because we can all be everywhere at once uh, okay, so there, it, this is a ripoff of the opening of uh, Captain America Civil War. You've got crossbones and a bunch of, like, techno a-holes called the Scavengers <laughs> fighting in, at the, you know, fighting and, like, being chased down. The only thing that really gets me is that John Jameson III is one of the agents of Wakanda. <coughs> Isn't he a werewolf now? That's right. He is. He is the. He's uh, the he's possessed. Werewolf. He's possessed by Carnage at the moment. Actually, no kidding. Yep, yep. He's part of the Carnage Absolute Carnage Collective right now, and he's he's helping break spines and suck out codexes. That's classic. So. Honestly, there's nothing to report here. You've got these agents who are running around doing stuff, sometimes in hackneyed BS backgrounds, and sometimes in, like, they're just having all of this, like, inter-agency uh, inter issues with one another because, oh, there's questions of whether or not this guy's going to be cool or whatever. You know, it's very new warriors in the 90s. And um, 
Oh my god, red alert. Was that my five minutes is up or something? I don't even know we're doing that anymore. Yeah. No, okay. Well, Period, to, fuck up. Yeah, long story long, there are a bunch of interesting, <laughs> underutilized characters. And it's super crap because, like, half of them are out on assignment somewhere. So they're basically saying, like, yeah, uh, Agents of Wakanda is this gigantic group, and most of them are off doing something more relevant than being involved with what we've got going on. And it's like, that's not the way to start a book. You've got to have them all in the same room being like, hey, we're going to do this. I, I appreciate that it's an opportunity for you to invent something new, but like, I don't know. There was basically a montage where Okoye was explaining where everybody is. The thing that got me that is up my alley was that there was this one guy, Agent Strongbow, the American Eagle. <laughs> He's following up on an outbreak of Satoria spotted in this place. And I was like, oh, are a bunch of Sidorak characters showing up? Because I'm fond of any of the spells Doctor Strange uses. Anyway, so uh, they, the crazy business of this book, <coughs> excuse me, is that they go back to Oklahoma <laughs> and really yeah uh black panther is like hey we got this issue in black in in oklahoma and um he pulls up a map and the counties are well represented there and uh so uh fat cobra who is one of the one of the heroes and uh the wasp and um okoye go to get this huska Paw Huska to a lot of people. Puska. This is the place where Ree William Ree Williams? Yeah, I think that's correct. Uh the pioneer woman does her show. Right, right. Not Ree Ree, not Ree Ree the uh Ironheart. No, Re the li mm -hmm. real living person. Ree Drummond. I'm Got sorry. Ree Drummond. Oh. Uh Let, let it clear. Letting clear. Yeah, sorry The pioneer woman who has all of her cookware and cookbooks in Walmart. A a wonderful Super sweetheart, by the way. I've worked on her show twice. Um, the thing that I get is when they introduce this as Posca, uh, the triangle building is there in the background. But then nothing else about the layout of Posca makes any sense at all. It's just not legit. Uh, but whatever. I can't expect anybody who's never been there to have any idea what it really looks like. And then there's just this ridiculous silly like attack going on of all these like totally rando demons or something which when you get to the last page it turns out are manifestations of the void by the century and i suddenly really go, no that's what i like you got me attention back. now you got me attention now <laughs> it's really a frustrating read because it is so Hey, somebody just handed me an issue number one, and I don't really know what I'm going to do with it yet. But it's it's almost put together by the end. And the mere fact of it, it's like, okay, hey, let's resurrect the sentry, because last I knew, he got his head crushed in by Thor. And um, what it really boils down to is that the uh, the letters page at the end almost sells me on reading this, because it says... I want a mix of bizarre, high-profile, and obscure characters. I'm into that. I don't need the high-profile. I'll just take the obscure characters or the underutilized characters and do something interesting with them that we're either going to buy or we're not. 
But I can't tell. This looked like it might be a two-issue book or whatever. So we'll see. I don't know. The team is apparently gigantic. And um, it's just I think that's a cheese ball way to start it out, you know. I'm going to do some cheese ball shit here and say Absolute Carnage 3 was great. Just read it. <laughs> yeah, simple. Like, it, there's there's not much to really – just read it. it. There's a lot of content and there's also some mystery and Brock's kid is there and there's some oh, shit yeah. going on with his eyes. And, oh, oh yeah, the, the Hulk gets the Venom symbiote. A Venom Hulk. Man. Oh, I'm dude! Looking forward dude. to the everybody symbiote hero click sets coming up. Dude, writer Donnie Cates, penciler Ryan Stegman, inker J.P. Mayer, color artist Frank Martin, letterer VCs Clayton Cowles. We're talking that Carnage surprises these guys when they show up with the Maker, who is trying to get the Codex safely out of yeah. safely out of people even though it's going to hurt. And Spidey's like, hey, man, like we got to talk, and then realizes that he's not talking to Eddie Brock. It's, uh, it's Cletus Cassidy in disguise, and we've got a problem. But the, the scientist, because uh, the maker has been possessed by a few different uh, symbiotes, um, he's gone. They, they took care of that. And Banner's working on it. Mm-hmm. And they realize that it's Cletus Cassidy there in disguise. And Eddie Brock's son, there's a secret to him. You see it in his eyes. Is he the anti-venom? I didn't read it. No, it's not an anti-venom thing. It's the fact that, that the venom symbiote has grown beyond the powers of being controlled of the emotions of Eddie Brock. And... The the scorpion is getting broken in half. He already can't. His spine is already broken. He's begging Brock to save him. I can't feel my legs. He still saves him, and he chooses saving uh, Gargan over killing uh, Norman Osborn in a Carnage symbiote. And the Venom symbiote says, "Hey, uh, we got to do some killing, and it has to happen." It has to happen so much that if you don't do it, I will find someone that will. Oh, damn, no way. Really? I will find – I will find – the first time – because remember the big deal was that that the symbiote was in love with Parker. mm -hmm. And completely in love. If you all don't remember this, reread it. Reread those $5 trade. You can get a $5 trade on this shit. Uh, The symbiote was in love with Parker and – his rebound was Brock. Um, and that's such a shitty way to put it, but it was a rebound. And, but it would, it like in, in the second uh, series of uh, Venom, when Venom first showed up the second time, uh, Parker tricked him into, Hey, come here. I love you. Come back to me. And, and then Brock feels the symbiote trembling and, and it does, it, it betrays Brock and it, and it tries to go back to Parker and then Parker figures out a way to fix it. And But this time the symbiote says, you don't want to do the killing, I have to do the killing. And if you don't want to do it, I'll find someone that will. Now, Cletus Cassidy shows up in disguise as Brock. Parker fishes it out. There's a little bit of a skirmish before things get crazy until, uh, I mean, like Cletus was 
saying some fucking Ted Bundy shit. I mean, there is some serial killer awesomeness in this if you're into that sort of thing. And Brock all of a sudden finds himself depowered. And Cletus, who's been talking shit half of this fucking comic about how much of a badass he is and how he'll do anything and doesn't care about anything and then realizes that the Venom symbiote has just engulfed a freshly murdered Bruce Banner who immediately jumps back up as the Hulk. That's a good point. Yeah, like Bruce was killed. How did Bruce Banner come back? With oh, just it doesn't matter because he's the immortal Hulk, and I don't even know how oh, they're even talking about that. I forgot about that. Yeah, but, but they, they haven't even explained why Banner's even there because he's in a different story, which kind of pisses me off in that little bit of the story. Because like they haven't said like that Banner's like okay in the Avengers, but still crazy in the Immortal Hulk storyline. Uh, he's just there and killed and then jumps back up as the Hulk with the fucking Venom symbiote and uh, Eddie is naked. Well, not literally naked, but still just depowered the, the, the Venom symbiote. And then Mr. Bad Mr. Billy badass, who's saying some creepy shit, like creepy shit. I mean, like great writing to scare you. The, the type of shit that is coming out of this fucking asshole's mouth and then looks over and says, uh Oh, Yeah. yeah, you're trying to build up your strength to a god millions of years old, Null, mm-hmm. and, and all of a sudden the Venom symbiote, your daddy, is on the Hulk, and uh-oh, and that's where it... Mm. It was a quick read, maybe ten minutes. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, what you got next, brother? I mean, that's, uh, what else do I have, actually? Uh, yeah, Tony Stark, Iron Man, number 16. Mm, I mean... Ultron with Hank Pym, that was that was fucking stupid. Yeah, honestly, it's one of those obvious things you've got to do if you're going to have Jocasta. And Hank, if you're going to have Jocasta in a story, you eventually got to do something with Ultron. So that's where we are. I, I dig still the development towards the 2020 concept because we have Arno Stark doing things in his own lab, working with Sunset Bane, and you've got Machine Man. It all leads to 2020. Um, but uh, first of all, it's uh, Dan Slott and Jim Zub writing Valerio Shitty, uh, the artist, which honestly... I'm starting to get a little tired of because it's a little bit too cartoony to take seriously. And it's just edging on, are you trying to be realistic or are you trying to be cartoony? I can't tell. That's a problem sometimes. That's a very big problem sometimes. It's like like his sunset bane looks very, very good, but even Tony Stark at any given moment looks cartoony. Or... Everything, you know, like you can take Hank, you can take Ultron Hank because they are extreme and it makes sense, but it's just rough. Anyway, it's uh, VC's Joe Caramagna as the letterer and uh, oh, that's probably what's worth saying something about. Anyway, the, uh, I missed the last issue, so I haven't really been able to ascertain it, but 
I guess the Vision and Wonder Man got blended together, and uh, Tony's trying very, very hard to separate them, and it's almost torturous. He's almost maybe doing, uh, you know, the 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 separation thing. I mean, is is full on torture. Why were they even bothering? I mean, they they knew that it wasn't going to happen. They still kept doing it. Well, they're basically doing it, trying to separate them because they think that in the end it'll bring back their heroic natures. Uh, but they're Maybe reprogrammed, they... you know, and it's because Jocasta and and uh, Janet Van Dyne are in danger, and. Um, we're still doing stuff with Andy Bang, who is a great, fun side character. But then we get beyond that stuff, and we're back in this dumb-ass robot bar. Why? Why are we doing this? I just... Uh, Machine Man was such a character that you could take seriously for his original, like, six or seven issues, and then it just went completely haywire... And then no one has ever done anything appropriate with him except for Earth X. And it's like a Machine Man 2020 is still, I think, one of my favorite books. I've read it. It's four issues. I've read it again and again. If we can get to the point where where Machine Man is somebody that we can take seriously, we'll have stepped across how, the major how? threshold. I want to ask. I want to ask you. Sorry. I want to ask you how we can do it, but we're not going to do it on 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 tape because they're gonna fucking. Well, we'll save it for uh, we'll save it for Patreon subscribers. Um, what what it amounts to is like we're in this stupid robot cantina or some crap, and it's like there are all of these different types of robots. There's you know, like little different types of Herbies from the Fantastic Four. There are these, it's just, what are these robots? Where do they come from? What are the, what purpose are they serving? We don't see dozens of robots in every other book. You know, it just doesn't make any sense. And it takes me out of the reality. It, it just, it destroys credulity. That's my complaint. So, um... They all have to invade Banetronics, and then they realize, of course, that Ultron has been there, and he has taken Jocasta and taken Janet, and they end up in the tunnels underneath the Avengers Mansion, because that's where he Ultron has set up uh, shop. But is it Ultron, or is it Hank? Because when it comes down to it, it's like, Jocasta, you're the bride of Ultron. I'm going it's, to it's, molecularly blend you with Janet so that you'll be you'll be it, both mine. It's a hard differentiation. It, it, differentiation? Differentiation, yes. It, it's definitely difficult. Because I, I you can't trust Hank. You just simply can't. That's a they gimmick. go so far as to say exactly that in, in dialogue in this. Um... Let me see if I can find it. It's uh, you get down to it on something like um, page nineteen or thereabouts, and Tony essentially starts burning into the Hank ego. I don't see any of Ultron there. It's all Hank in an adamantium Ultron body, and it is the villain version of Hank that we always needed because. Just a full-on version. Just a full. Just a full-on evil. Yeah. 
God damn, this is so much fun. Yeah. Janet never did forgive me, and she doesn't, uh, she doesn't, uh, but uh, Jocasta, she was sworn to me once, but even she doesn't, and he realizes that he doesn't have anything, and it's like, he's still going to go through with it. If he was a true hero, he would have broken the programming. He would have got out of the loop, and he would have been like, oh, I can't do this. I can't blend these two characters together to be the one of what I'm looking for. But uh, he's not. Because the comic book version of Hank Pym is no hero. The one we get of Michael Douglas in the movie is fantastic. It's a totally different take on Hank Pym where he never slapped his wife, where he was never yellow jacket, he never had a break with reality. I still think the best possible thing we could do since we did the age of Ultron a few years ago, and we start to look at how critical Hank is to the entire Marvel universe is the concept that I heard from somebody go in and have Hank be the target of Kang over and over and over and over again. Why has that never happened? Because because somebody postulated it, and nobody has ever decided that's what we need to do. Well, we should do it, and um, we should shut up. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, ultimately, the last page, the molecular blending does not take place between Janet and uh, Jocasta. Tony is molecularly blended, I guess, somehow with his armor, and we are left to wonder just WTF is going on with that next. So I hope, honestly, that this iteration of Tony Stark Iron Man gets killed in Mortal Kombat, and then we realize that this AI duplicate of Tony that's coming to terms with the fact that he's an alternate, or he's an artificial intelligence duplication, you know, where the hell is the real Iron Man? Is he dead? Can we kill Iron Man and then reboot him? Uh, like, how do we even do that? How do you quantify that? And because then we could start making a real comic book about real things, questioning when are you real, if that's something that happens. You know, that's that's really a good story right there. Let's progress into that. But for now, I don't know what Dan Flock's trying to really gear us towards. But I'm going to keep reading it. So that's Iron Man right now. That's what I've got. Those are my books. Black Panther and the Agents of Conduct. Archie number 707. History of the Marvel Universe. we got to do that. Well, well, we're doing that one last. I'm going to touch on Inferior 5, uh, issue 1 of a 12-issue maxi series. Uh, this one blew my mind uh keith griffin plot and pencils jeff lemire plot and script this is jeff lemire counseling someone on how to do better than him this this is picard and Riker, as lemire is as picard um michelle uh uh inker hi-fi colorist rob lee letterer another he did it again we that's too rob lee we're talking about a city in Arizona that has been completely decimated by alien invasion. 
And the artwork is ugly. But that's the best part about Lemire. This isn't his art. But he's showing someone how who can do good art, even though it's not technically superior. We're talking expressions. We're talking full immersion. That is the best part about Lemire. He can show you something like back in Sweet Tooth. We're going to have to do a long box on that one. Um, he can show you the ugliest art and completely immerse you in it. And then it will make you look at the regular world that is pretty and rounded and, and, and you're drinking a Starbucks and they spelled your name right on the fucking cup and look at it and hate it. <laughs> that, because it doesn't have the flaws, the flaws that make things beautiful. And this gentleman has done the same thing. We're talking about a kid who is in an Arizona town that his mom, his mom and dad are, are just broke up and he hates living there, wants to live with his dad. All the problems, it's, it's a big spiral. Is it carefree Arizona? Did Sam Alexander live there? Oh no, we're talking. This is more like uh, God. This is more like like South Scottsdale, <laughs> uh, ghetto. I mean, he even the kid even goes to the one of the kids goes even goes to the comic store and bitches at the comic book uh, uh, comic book guy that runs the place that he's selling comic books that suck and doesn't even question the fact that the comic book guy is in the shadows and is constantly vomiting blood, and you can't see his lower jaw. Oh, creepy. And the aliens have detected that a new kid has just moved into town. And what better thing for misfit kid that's been growing up there to show up and meet a new misfit kid that just showed up and sees what he sees? And I can't fucking wait for this. This is this this is golden. Uh, Jeff Lemire, uh, he can go back and forth, but when he hits a home run, we're talking line drive. Yeah, out, out of the park. Uh, just pick it up. It, it, it's it's one of those things that it's spooky. It's scary. It it'll put you on edge. And I loved it. And, and it's one of the cheaper comics that came out this week and it's going to fall through the cracks and it's going to be one of those ones in, in, in five years when you're at a comic book store and you're with your best friend and uh, a good friend of ours is with us and like, what are you guys looking at? And we're staring at a copy, uh, a three set volume of we three oh, and yeah, man. what's that? Um, this is something that we have to like, like we have five copies of already, but we rescue and give to deserving peoples. Uh, this is, this is, this is something special. And this has the potential for something good. Cool. The potential, just the potential. I'm not saying I'm, I'm, I'm all in. No, I'm not saying I'm all in. No, 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 no. It's got the potential. But if they go the way that I that they're hinting at, imagine in ten years when we're looking at uh, issue number one, two, three to twelve, and we're like, man, we called it the same way we read we three. Yeah, for real. Uh, 
let's see. Batman number 79. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to do this in a minute. All right. So Bane is in control of the city. The criminals are in control of the city. Uh, if you're a superhero, stay away. Even Captain Adam, just like you violated the rules. Um, the butler's been murdered. That's Bane's awesome. running. I mean, that's how they put it, man. I mean, it was name, you know, it was name, but like, that's how quickly they were like, you're just going to kill him. Just Bane breaking his neck. Like, Oh, please. Like it, it, it was, it was a little hurtful. Uh, Batman number 79, uh, obviously Alfred died in 78, but this is a date issue of, Bruce and Selena on like on I don't want to say their honeymoon because it didn't ever happen, but they're 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 working out, they're in disguises, they can't go back to Gotham, they're figuring it out, they're having a couple of drinks, figuring out how we're gonna get back to Gotham. Are we gonna go back to Gotham? What are we gonna do? And they decide to start building their way back to Gotham and fighting their way back to Gotham. Yeah. And it's it's a date issue and it was quite quick and it was quite I get it, you're in love and they're gonna figure out a way to stick it to Bane and but Alfred's dead. Damien Damien's been fucking up. Uh Clayton Cowles, letter, Tony Daniels and Maury cover, Tom King writer, Clay Man pencils, Clay Man and Seth Man inks. Tomei Mori, colorist, they're, they're on their way back. And this was basically something that should have happened last issue before last issue uh, when they decided they're actually back in Gotham. And uh, Batman's all fucked up. He's been asleep on the couch for a week. I mean, this is a prelude to a prelude. And I'm, I'm frankly getting a little uh, anxious because this took two weeks to come out as opposed to every other week, uh, every single week every single week and um we're gonna get a good bane story but <sighs> man yeah things get trying sometimes uh let's see i'm gonna i'm gonna check that off and if you didn't buy it it's okay it was nice to see a good relationship go go well um what do you want to do? You want to do Spider-Man number one last or History of Marvel Universe last? Uh, let's do Spidey. Hit me with Spidey. I didn't get to read that one. <clears throat> this one was heavy. Okay. And by, by heavy, I mean there's a problem with the Earth's gravitational field. <laughs> All right. Let me bring up the credits here. Come on. Where are you? All I had to see was Sarah Pacelli. Blood, Spider-Man Bloodline number one. J.J. Abrams and Henry Abrams, writers, Sarah Pacelli, artists. Isabetta D'Amico, inking, assist, inking assistant. Dave Stewart, color artist, VCs, Joe Caramanga. God damn, we got to talk to that guy. We need to get him on the show. We, we need to have him on the Christmas episode. <laughs> okay he's we we built it up too long he's got to be a christmas episode uh this is an elseworlds-esque tale 
And by Elseworlds, you'll notice immediately by the actual logo of Spider-Man, it's the old school 90s logo from the actual cartoon. Oh, okay. From the cartoon. So that is a signal to people that know what's up that there's something different here. Sarah Pacelli is Italian, uh, Italian bird. Uh, she's friends with my homie um, Andy, and uh, it's we're talking. It, it almost looks like watercolors over digital. It, it looks like digital water watercolors, and there's a big old battle, and Spidey's looking at Mary Jane. She's giving her the the tiger speech, and. Uh, a giant monster, robotic monster, just comes out of nowhere, and he tells her to run, MJ, run, and they're on the bridge, and she gets impaled and thrown off the side, and he dives, catching her, and the 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 robot just isn't communicating correctly, and there's the funeral, and we see little little Ben, mm. red haired, and twelve years later. He's in school. He's getting ready for school. Now, this is a kicker. This is something that I think would hit home with you when you're living with Luca. Uh, it's going to happen for even just a little bit. He's getting ready. He's getting dressed, brushing his teeth, getting dressed. He makes breakfast. He's got headphones on. But he didn't make breakfast for himself. Bacon, Ooh. eggs for his dad, Peter. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. Bacon, eggs, toast. Little parsley on the side, little post-it note. Enjoy XO men. Goes to school. Some asshole resembling Flash is trying to make some nerd piss his pants, and that hurt, man. I've seen that before, where some asshole bully is trying to make some kid make him piss his pants to humiliate him. That hurt. Uh, I've seen that happen before, and I've seen like people stepped in, um, but no one was there to step in. But Ben did. And knocked the living dog shit out of this guy. And he's in the principal's office. And Parker just happens to be in town because he's still running Parker Industries. And he's missing an arm. Oh, and they really? didn't show they didn't show him missing the arm. They show him missing the arm at the funeral, but not at the battle. And they have a they have the same argument that um uh April O'Neill's boss has with Danny. And Teenage Mutant Patrol's part one. Yeah. And and Danny bolts from the car. Like, they have that same argument. And Ben goes home and Aunt May is there. And he's worried and she's worried. And she's like, hey, don't worry about it. And he meets a cute chick at school in detention. Super goth, super fucking feminist. But he's not being a pussy about it. Which I liked. I liked that part. Yeah, I, I, I dig your agenda, but we got to talk about some stuff. But he didn't fold over. He, he, he wasn't getting pegged in, in the conversation. And Aunt May roasts, roasts Parker. Really? You're not here. You're not here. This was upsetting. It flipped everything on its side. Everything on its side was flipped. And... Aunt May is getting mad at Parker in a way we have never seen before. And then you get into the dreams of little Ben missing his mama, watching her die, even though he wasn't actually there, covered in blood. And then where does guess where he wakes up? Hospital? On the roof. 
Oh, no way. I <clears> know, <throat> uh, on his uh, on his roof, on his ceiling, on his ceiling. And Aunt May walks in and says, hey. And she looks up at him, and he's like, hey. <laughs> and she's like, uh, come with me. And she takes him to the attic and says, under the floorboards. Mm-hmm. And floorboards, there's all these boxes of, you know, family heirlooms. But under the floor, under the floorboards is a big box and all these pictures of Parker with, with Mary Jane and Tiger and them just being the perfect couple they could have been if they were the only one. But then under all the pile of photographs and letters, she tells him, in that box you'll find what you'll need. And at the bottom of the box is Spider-Man. Right on. The The outfit. And how old is this kid? He's got to be like 13. Right on. He's got to be like 13. And Pacelli knocked it out of the fucking park. This was upsetting from the beginning. The, 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 the guy that, that you, you see this guy, is he Doc Ock as a robot, like a phalanx robot? You don't yeah. know. It was just, it was just his knockdown drag out. But Mary Jane got impaled. It wasn't one of those bullshit things like who killed Gwen Stacy, Parker, the fucking goblin. No, we're talking straight up impaled, and then him still risking his life to catch her, her, her already dead body, and then arm gone. You don't see him lose his arm. It, it, it just, it's one of those things. Where you have to piece it together. You have to be smart enough and love the genre and the art from enough to follow the crumbs. And I got to say this is my favorite comic of of the week. All right. That's nice. (sighs) One more. It's a monster too. Mark Wade, Javier Rodriguez, pencils. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. How many different styles? How many different time periods? How many different uh, uh, other artists he can pay homage to? Um, Alvaro Lopez, the inker. PC's Joe Caramagna. History of the Marvel Universe number three. It's, this is just amazing. Um, starts immediately talking about what's going on with the Fantastic Four. And reiterating that Reed Richards was feeling guilty that he had messed up their lives with these powers, decided to make them heroes make them a team, go out and tackle villainy, and thus they became celebrities, and that's how he could repay them immediately without trying, without being able to cure them of these problems. And uh, then all of these other heroes emerge, because this all happens at the same time. Bruce Banner, the Hulk, Namor reemerges, becomes a Submariner, Doctor Doom, Ant-Man, Spider-Man, the page with Spider-Man being introduced is suitable for framing. Like, buy an extra copy, cut that page out, frame it. It is awesome. 
It's got Sandman and Doc Ock, the Vulture coming after Spidey. Spidey is upside down, sticking to a roof, or sticking to a ceiling, and there are reflections of recollections hidden within his boot. It's just a beautiful, beautiful shot. Um, then we go on and we see, like, Thor emerge, Iron Man emerge, the Watcher, the Wasp and Ant-Man, the Avengers, the X-Men, Captain America and Avengers number four, uh, the first fight between the Hulk and the Thing, Daredevil emerges, then the, uh, issue, uh, uh, issue, what is it, 16 or 15 of the Avengers, where Captain America forms the new Avengers team with the swords, or with Hawkeye, Quicksilver, and Scarlet Witch. It is so much going on. You, you realize the 60s, this is a franchise, you know, this is an entire book, or it's an entire uh, company built around this concept, and we're just, you get Stan Lee in there, and it just, boom, here's ideas, 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 it was the House of Ideas, the Inhumans, the Black Panther, Galactus, the Silver Surfer, Captain Marvel, I love the Captain Marvel dual splash page so much that it is also suitable for framing. It is busy and it is clustered in its psychedelia. Uh, the colors all clashing with one another. The Supreme Intelligence, Annihilus, the Negative Zone, it is all here. And then you get to a page which was particularly touching where Nathan Richards, who is being told the story of the Marvel Universe by Galactus, is saying, you know, oh, you know, you finally caught up to when I was born and what my contributions are. I'm the, I'm the creator and you're the destroyer. I mean, oh, it's like we need one another. You'll be coming when this is all over, won't you? And then he uses Galactus' given name. Galen? And Galactus does not want to answer him. And he goes right back into his story. Ooh. That part Ooh. was heavily emotional. Two Ooh. characters who we have barely seen interact with one another and on one page of one issue. There is more story told. In Dude, that, 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 that Silver Surfer Black when they met in the cube... Yeah. Jesus. Jesus, that that hurt. Yeah. The depths the depths of sentiment and emotion that you can get out of a fraction of a moment with Galactus when he is way more human than he ever appears to be are astonishing. This page is very memorable. Uh more Cree stuff, the defenders Beast, the Illuminati, like going in and saying that the Illuminati have existed since the 60s, despite the fact that they are a recent creation by Brian Michael Bendis, uh, really cool. Ghost Rider, the Punisher, the, all of the heroes for hire, you know, it just, da -da 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 -da. we go into it all and... It stops with uh, Jean Grey coming out of the Phoenix. And 
you basically see to like, I don't know, the middle of the Bronze Age or when did that happen? When's the whole Phoenix Saga, eighty four ish, something like that? Got to look that up. But I mean, this is a fantastic issue. It's not what the previous two issues are, because those are going over time periods or histories that we aren't all of us all too familiar with, because this is going back as far as timely comics and starting at the beginning, which consequently, it's really neat to have read this paired with having just read Marvel uh, Comics issue 1000. So then you get into the whole, you know, back pages, the annotations, and it is so dense. It is so much material. I mean, one day when you got a flu, go in and, like, you're stuck from home, read every part of it, or you're recovering from surgery, read this thing for all it's worth. If you don't, just do it now. Because what was the retail price on this book? Oh, geez, like $6. Or five, it was like a five ninety nine or four ninety nine one. Let me see. Yeah, and I, it's just, it is so freaking much. And the emergence of all of these characters all simultaneously harkens to the genius of its of the creators. You know what I mean? And there's nothing comparable to this. Nobody's ever just been like, oh, you know, let's do this, let's do that. Let's just create a bunch of different characters and whatever outside of outside of comic books, maybe wrestling. It's just phenomenal. It's a great book. If you haven't been collecting it, if you haven't been reading it, you're really missing out. Jesus. Wait, wait to sum it up, man. Like, you gave me, like, some fucking just tingles down the spine how good that was. It's like, this book needs to be studied backwards and forwards. I feel like there's a secret hidden in this book that we're not getting yet. Well, yeah, there's, the, the, there's a story within it between Nathaniel and... Uh, I'm sorry. Is it Nathaniel or is it? It's not Nathaniel. It's a uh, no. I I, I mean Franklin. just sorry, a, guys. there. There's a secret hidden, like just something that's gonna happen. Something a lot like okay. So I get what they're doing with with uh, with Franklin, but but I don't want them to do what they're doing with the Cosmic Ghost Rider right now, where they turn it into pop culture fodder. Yeah, you but when can't we get to turn, that point. Are they gonna mention? Yeah. It's frustrating because it's one of these things where it's obvious that when we get to that point, they're going to make a point. But can we get an issue that's just like, this is the future. We foretell all the possible future now. And then would all of the editors and all of the writers have to try to measure up to that because it's continuity. That would be really amazing. But I don't know that they'll do that. It just takes too much away from the creative control or the creative process for everybody. But yeah, man. Whew, man. I, we have covered so much in a lot less time of span, but in a lot good, juicier cuts, man. This has been awesome. Yeah. Uh, Give us some but, feedback, everybody. Tell us what you think. Did you read it? Did you like it? Did you hate it? Do you agree with us? Do you disagree? 
Send us an email. Find us on Facebook. You know, let us know. We're totally interested in what you think about everything. Open the dialogue. We're there, we're there for you. Anything else to tell us? No, all I know is is that this is dangerous. This is dangerous. And we're uh, we're cutting out. We're cutting out. We'll talk to you guys later. Thanks very much. Over and out.